Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We've had a bit of a break while we took some holidays before an epic bull run in 2024 and into 2025 after the halving. So far this year, we have had a very bullish price action for Bitcoin. 2023 has been huge, with Bitcoin surging over 120% since January. And there's been a lot to be positive about in the crypto space. 2022 was a terrible bear market year, but 2023 has bounced back in style. We've had loads of positive crypto headlines, with the BlackRock ETF application leading to loads of speculation on the price of Bitcoin and a wave of ETF applications from other massive investment firms. We also had in July the news that Ripple had won against SEC when the judge confirmed that XRP is not a security. And like I say, we're only five months from the halving, Bitcoin's already up over 120% and we know next year there's going to be a massive supply shock and demand is only going to increase. Now, despite all that bullish price action, US regulators have done their best to crack down on crypto, in particular trying to limit investors' access to crypto by closing off or interfering with on and off ramps, the way people actually get in and out of crypto. We've seen the same in the UK, loads of major banks, including HSBC, have restricted or limited how much you can transfer to a crypto exchange every month. And we spoke at length about why this is. Banks are worried about money flowing out of the system into crypto because banks literally do not have the funds available for people that want to withdraw. In the last few weeks, we've also seen more regulator crackdown on Binance and CZ with CZ ultimately having to leave the company and Binance paying a fine of almost $5 billion. But despite all that negativity, all the efforts of the US regulars, Bitcoin still sits at over $37,800 as we record this, which is way more than double what it was in its bear market lows at $15,500. So with the halving approaching so quickly, many are expecting a significant pullback. People are expecting a pre-halving dump before April or a so-called black swan event like we had in 2020 with the COVID-19 dump in March, just before the halving in May. In March 2020, the COVID-19 dump took Bitcoin from $10,000 to $3,000 in a matter of days in what's called a black swan event. Now, if you haven't heard this term before, black swan event basically means an unpredictable event that is beyond what is normally expected. It's out of the blue, no one saw it coming, and typically prices crash at a rapid speed. Black Swan events are typically very extreme, very rare, and have a severe impact. Think of COVID-19, think of the FTX debacle, those are all Black Swan events. So in today's episode, we're going to discuss what could cause a Black Swan event or a market-wide sell-off, and how likely this is in the coming months. Now, before we begin, we have to say that we are not necessarily saying there's definitely going to be a black swan event, a 50% correction, or any huge pullbacks, but it is Bitcoin after all, and even in a bull run, Bitcoin will correct 30-40%, even in the midst of a huge bull run. That's how it moves, and that's why we love it, because it has upside volatility just as much as it has downside. But it is important to always discuss both sides of the narrative. 
is very positive right now with the ETF news. People saying that Bitcoin will never go below certain levels and that's normally a warning sign. We heard it last year at the early stages of 2022 when people were saying the bottom of the bear market was $32,000. Obviously we know that wasn't even halfway there and we got as low as 15500 Now one of the major things everyone's talking about right now and one of the things I've been watching for months is the Fed's reverse repo account in the US. This is where banks and large hedge funds deposit money with the Fed overnight and they earn a yield on that money. But it also means that the money's not tied up in long duration bonds, which is normally the other investment for banks. Now, due to all the money sloshing about in the system because of COVID, this reached an all-time high of over $2 trillion last year. But as yields have continued to rise in the US, banks have been moving money out of this account overnight and locking them up in some short-duration treasuries. On top of this, the liquidity in the system is obviously drying up. People are taking money out of banks because they don't have money to fund their lifestyle because of inflation. So banks have a lot less liquidity on hand, which also means that the Fed then has less in the reverse repo, which means there's less money to soak up all the US government debt. In August, the US Treasury announced that $1.8 trillion of new US bonds would be issued in the next six months. So they basically expected to spend almost $2 trillion in six months. And at that time, the reverse repo account stood at $1.7 trillion dollars but now that is down to only 865 billion showing that there's a massive drain on liquidity in the US economy and a lot of it's been soaked up by government debt. Now this account being drained poses a real issue for the US government because we know we've covered it in a lot of podcasts but the US government is operating in a massive financial deficit. They're spending almost two trillion dollars per year more than they're taking in in tax receipts and revenues and that's in a time where the stock market's at all-time high levels. We're not in a recession right now, we've still got GDP growth of around 5% and there's still inflation so this is probably peak tax receipts at these levels. So if they're still operating a deficit at these high levels of tax receipts, what's going to happen if the US actually does go into a recession or the stock market dumps in the next 12 months? Well the answer is simple, the deficit is going to absolutely explode and it's likely to almost double in the next couple of years because as the country rolls into a recession, tax receipts drop. At the same time, the government spending has to rise because social security payments have to rise because less people are in employment. On top of this, we also expect US government spending to increase next year because it is an election year and obviously the Democrats and Biden are going to try and hold on to power as much as they can. The easiest way to do this is either with reducing taxes, which reduces revenue for the government, or increasing spending. Either way, that $2 trillion deficit is going to increase next year. Now, if we take this back to the reverse repo account, that means that once that's empty, the US government is going to still issue treasuries but there's going to be a vacuum and there's going to be no liquidity to actually soak up those US treasuries. So who buys the government debt at that time? Because one thing's for sure, the US government's not going to stop spending money anytime soon and they're definitely not going to increase taxes in the run-up to an election. 
So at this point, what did the US government do? Well, they'll probably continue to issue debt and the yields will spike. When the yields spike, that basically means the cost of borrowing goes up for everyone, for consumers, for businesses and for the government. But the biggest effect that's going to have is on consumer and of course on businesses who won't be able to continue to finance their debt with these high yields. The other problem with rising yields is it means people that actually own government debt that they bought in years gone by, the value of those treasuries they bought drops. So if you bought a government treasury in 2020, it's dropped by about 40% in value to today. If the yields continue to rise, it keeps dropping in value. And that's exactly what all regional banks, pension firms, and of course, foreign governments like China and Japan are holding. And the value of those treasuries has absolutely tanked in the last couple of years. And we can see this in the States with the regional banks. If you actually look at any of the regional banks, they're actually sitting on trillions of dollars in unrealized losses. Because the US government invented a program that said that they didn't have to declare these unrealized losses. This is like if you entered a trade and it went down and down and down and you were at negative 200% holding a trade, but you didn't have to declare it and somebody was going backstop it so you could keep going further and further into the red, never having to declare that loss. That's exactly what regional banks in the US are doing right now and we can see it because the BTFP, which was the short-term funding program, has increased in value every single month this year. So what does all this have to do with the markets? Well, the biggest problem is, where's this liquidity going to come from? If there's no one buying the debt, then what's going to happen? And how is the government going to finance its spending in the next year once the reverse repo is emptied? And by best estimates, it's going to empty in January or February. Well, again, the answer is probably quite simple. If you've been paying attention to any of the podcasts, the Fed is going to have to buy its own government debt. And at that point, the dollar is going to absolutely tank. But it's going to tank for bad reasons. People don't want to invest in the US anymore. It's not a safe haven. The US Treasury won't be a safe haven asset. And that's going to cause massive capitulation across the world. Remember, Japan and China are sitting on massive unrealized losses in the dollar. But they're expecting the dollar US treasuries to rise in value in the future years. But if no one's buying that debt and the US government eventually has to buy its own debt through the Fed, then they're going to sell those treasuries. That's going to have a bigger impact on yields and again yields are going to spike. So for me, the US treasury market, the US government debt and of course the reverse repo account holds the key to any market crashes coming in the next 12 months. For me, it's a certainty the reverse repo empty early next year. At the same time, the US government is going to probably embark on an even bigger spending spree into the election. So that means that there's going to be no liquidity in the system to soak up that debt. And I think that holds the key to the crash. Now, in my opinion, that could be very bullish for Bitcoin. And there's a reason why. People will be afraid to invest in the US dollar and US Treasury market because the Fed is buying its own debt, which means the money printer is on and the money printer is going to have to print trillions, devaluing the dollar, devaluing US Treasuries. And the absolute counter to that is Bitcoin. It can't be printed. It's got a fixed supply. It's got a fixed issuance. 
and we know the halving is coming as well. So that value prospect actually only increases next year at the same time the US economy is crashing. So that's my main theory on what could cause a black swan event in the economy next year. We've already seen house prices dropping dramatically. Housing defaults in the US have reached the highest level since 2013. There is no liquidity in the system. People aren't refinancing houses. They're not buying new homes. There is serious economic weakness and it's been propped up right now by a strong stock market. And that is the second place where I think we look for a potential black swan event. Now, when I say first and second, now when I say this is the second place we look for a black swan event, I actually think the two are tied together. And as always, the economy is so interlinked that everything's correlated. But in my opinion, one of the other risks to a market-wide sell-off is that there's a collapse in big tech. And by big tech, I mean the big seven. Now, if you've never heard this phrase before, it's basically just the top seven most valuable companies in the NASDAQ. So it's Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, Meta, Google, and Tesla. And these represent the Magnificent Seven or the top seven tech stocks. And these, again, hold the key to what I think could be a crash next year. Now, over the last few months, we have seen the NASDAQ reach all-time highs, and it's largely been led by these seven companies. The seven largest tech stocks in the stock index are up a massive 80% in 2023 alone. Meanwhile, the rest, or the 493 other companies in the S&P 500, are only up 4%. So you can see that the difference between the big tech and everyone else is huge. And there is a specific reason for this. These few key stocks have essentially become the entire market. If they do well, then the rest of the market does well. The stock market as a whole will go up if the big seven are performing well. However, that also means the fate of the stock market is literally in the hands of these seven companies. And every single one of them has indulged in the AI hype narrative of 2023. They are also seen as recession proof. For example, Apple or Google, they still perform in a recessionary environment and people are banking on that. And over the last few months, like we've seen with Bitcoin, people are buying these tech stocks as a safety trade. Rather than hold money in cash or buy US treasuries, people are buying stocks in Tesla, Google, Apple, because they see them as a safety trade, they see them as safe long-term bets, and they'll get a yield off them if they hold for the next few years. However, my argument is they could be the key to bringing the entire stock market down. And the reason I think they pose a danger is for two reasons. One, the AI hype bubble is massively overblown in my opinion. I think AI is going to have massive improvements for work-life balance and productivity in years to come. But some of the companies are massively overvalued right now. And I've spoke about NVIDIA a lot in the past. But right now, in the last year, it's brought in $18 billion in revenue but it's valued at over $1.2 trillion. That seems obscene to me, and it seems very similar to the dot-com bubble, where people were throwing money at anything in tech because they thought it was the future, which it was, but only a few companies actually prevailed. Now, the problem I see for NVIDIA is, one, the US government's going to ban exports to the rest of the world. They're going to try and keep that tech in the US. Two, revenue's not that strong. $18 billion for a $1.2 trillion company doesn't seem that great in my opinion. And also, 
everyone is fascinated by AI. So all that's going to happen over the coming year, two years, is competition. People are going to compete with NVIDIA. And that's going to steal market share. But they're also not going to be the best forever. There's going to be people that try and challenge their crown. And as they do that, NVIDIA's profits will drop. The other reason I think the Magnificent 7 pose a danger to the stock market and a market-wide crash is people typically in times of trouble or times of recessionary environments, they sell the stocks that they're in profit with. It's a psychological thing. They don't cut losers, they cut the winners because they hold the losers long-term, knowing that long-term those losers will turn into winners. So what happens when a recession kicks in? People start losing their jobs or their bonuses aren't as good as they used to be because companies aren't making as much money. People will start taking profit from their profitable trades and these are only in the Magnificent Seven, as we've just shown. The rest of the stock market isn't in huge gains, certainly not inflation-beating gains. So when people start dipping into their stocks and taking profit out of their trades, they're going to take it from those seven tech companies that are in massive gains. So we could see massive profit taking, which could lead to a sell-off in these tech stocks. The other thing to bear in mind is these tech stocks have massive overheads. You look at NVIDIA, they're only generating $18 billion of revenue. They're way overspending that right now. So in a recessionary environment with interest rates so high, where are they financing that capital from? And they will probably have to make layoffs as well. So again, once this happens, the US economy starts to dip. It leads to a further sell-off. All we've heard all year is positive news for AI. Once there's some bad news against AI or there's some regulation or some export limits put on chips, for example, then I think we will see a downturn in these seven stocks and the sell-off could be pretty brutal because of how overvalued they are right now. Now, once again, I believe this could be bullish for Bitcoin, but I would expect Bitcoin to face some sell pressure if this was to happen. We saw it before when everything dumps Bitcoin gets sucked into that and everything trends down at the same time. We saw it at COVID. The entire market crashed, but so did Bitcoin. And again, it's just that flee to liquidity. And Bitcoin's the most liquid asset. So people can get out of their position really quickly, really easily and sell instantly 24 hours a day. Whereas with stocks and shares, they would have to go through their broker or wait till the market's open. So if there is a market-wide sell-off, in the traditional markets, Bitcoin might not be exempt from it, but in the long run, it will benefit from this rotation as that capital then still has to seek a home that's going to return a yield. And Bitcoin is the best performing asset since it was inception in 2008. Now, as we said at the start, we are not forecasting a black swan event, but we're also not ruling it out either. This podcast was just to highlight what could lead to a black swan event if there was to be one, or a big market-wide correction. Ultimately, the key to it all is government intervention and monetary policy. The Fed tinkering with rates, 0% followed by the fastest rate hike in history, is going to have an effect on the markets, and we've just not seen it yet. But rate hikes always take effect in a lag. So could we see it either by the end of this year or in Q1 next year? This tinkering with monetary policy has also affected regional banks, which now are massively underwater on all the treasuries they bought pre-2022. So, if they had to realise those losses, there would be huge banking collapses. Lastly, the zero interest rates followed by the AI hype cycle has managed to boost the top seven tech stocks in the US. 
to unbelievable valuations. Meanwhile, the rest of the stock market has lagged behind. And this is why we know that it's a safety trade and it's an AI hype trade. Because if it was just a bull market, every other stock would be pumping at the same time as the top seven. But none other companies are pumping like the Magnificent Seven. And lastly, of course, the US deficit is the main issue here. The US is way overspending its revenue and tax receipts, and it's going to continue, if not get worse. Now, this is a very US-focused podcast, but this could be said about any government around the world. The UK is spending way more than it brings in, but it doesn't have the same complexities because it's not the global reserve currency. Now, overall, in my opinion, the global economy is very weak. We've not even talked about the Japanese yen and the carry trade, but we've covered that in other podcasts, so make sure you check them out. The global economy is suffering from overspending, 0% interest rates and an addiction to debt. The world economy relies on debt and it's starting to become fractured and we saw that across the world but also these conflicts in the Middle East aren't going to help the situation. Deficits are going to continue to increase over the next few years which is ultimately going to lead to more money printing and more inflation long term. For me, this is why we buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin can't be printed out of thin air, it's not controlled by a central bank who decides the monetary policy, and it's scarce. The one thing that no fiat currency in the world is. And anyone that argues that the global economy is in a strong position needs to only look at the gold chart. Gold is on the verge of putting in the highest monthly close in its history, and that's largely due to its price versus US dollar, which has been printed out of thin air time and time again. When gold goes on to make a new all-time high, that suggests the economy is very weak and people are buying hard assets to get out of fiat currency. And we know central banks around the world are buying gold by the bucket load. Well, it's shaping up for an interesting end of 2023. 2024 is going to be huge. I expect more FUD from the US regulators. I expect more crackdowns on Bitcoin and crypto and just any headline that can suppress the price. We've not spoke about the ETF and the fact that it could be a buy the rumour, sell the news, but we're going to cover that in another podcast very soon. Thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you again on the next one.